Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels. You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vikido Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidofitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about hot topics and research articles. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 83. The American Heart Association gives us five things that we need to know about AEDs, most especially since a defibrillator helped save Damar Hamlin's life. Who knew that happy, loved teens become heart healthier as adults? What is the best diet for AFib? A healthy diet can improve the way you manage atrial fibrillation. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you, my dear? I am doing excellently. How are you? Have you recovered from, I know it's a culture shock for you to be in all this snow. Uh, yes, it is. From Belize, you better believe it. I know. Yes, it is. I feel I feel like what the hell happened? <laughs> you know, Things are turned upside down. Things are something, something else. They're turned, turned upside, upside down. down. Yep. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And so, yeah, I am here. I'm ready to go. How about you? I'm ready to go. Yes. Time. Yes, indeed. And so today is episode 247. And we talk about Articles, research articles, hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 83. And we all were made aware of the importance of CPR, specifically using an AED and saving a life when the whole stuff happened with DeMar Hamlin when he went down during the um, NFL football game. And so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about that article today on five things to know about AEDs after a defibrillator. That's what helped save DeMar Hamlin's life. 
And so we're going to talk about that today. What is the best diet for AFib? Well, a healthy diet can improve the way that you manage atrial fibrillation. And so this article will talk about the foods, the foods that you can eat and avoid, what foods to avoid to reduce your symptoms. And so we're going to talk about that article today as well. Well, now, happy. Now we talked about that before, D, but there's an article out there, the latest research. <laughs> yeah. The latest research talking about happy love teens. Yeah become heart healthier as adults. Who knew? That was an interesting, very interesting article. Yes. Who knew, D? Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? And so we're going to talk about these heart healthy articles today and much, much more. And as always, our co-host, D Banks, will give us the latest on what is happening with the flu and other infections. Anything coming to get us? Hopefully, she'll say we have nothing. Because we always got something lurking yep. around. What? Yep. <laughs> and so job security. There you go. And so <laughs> she will definitely tell us what is going on this winter season, how we can stay healthy and all that. So make sure, folks, make sure you stay tuned to this episode. This show, it's all about health and fitness. So what do you say to that, D? Looking forward to it. Yes, 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 And it's yes. still new enough in the season where people still are hopefully working on their health and wellness and fitness and all those kinds of things so that they can take in some more information on how to stay healthy. Yes, definitely. Yes, indeed. And so make sure, folks, make sure, folks, that you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. Because when you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show and you'll be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests. We talk about things that are important for our health and well-being and our community. As you know, we do not just talk about our physical health, but we talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health and all of that as well. And so we believe, we believe here at Vicky Doe Fitness in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure, folks, make sure you do not miss any of our shows and go and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review. Make sure you review this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we definitely appreciate you. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Yes, D. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Well, D, yes, I'm back here in the gray matter, back from my workcation. <laughs> mm. Culture shock. Culture shock, right? Unbelievable. Yes, indeed. And so, yeah, it's a lot of coldness and ice. I have to regroup because remember, you know, I had my sinus thing going on. So I'm talking, it seems like my, my voice is clearer now. 
You oh, know? that's good. How yeah? How are you doing with that? Yes, my voice is clear. My sinus start draining and stuff. And so, yeah, welcome to winter. Yeah, that's what happens to me. And you know what is so weird about this winter? Like, for example, today, it started out really cold this morning and snowing. And now the temperature has gone up. So the ice is melting a little bit and it's becoming really sloppy. But then tomorrow it's going to go back down. So it's like, this is weird weather. It's weird you know, weather. It's just, they don't, they, you know, they talk about how you don't catch colds from cold weather or whatever. But this, I think this fluctuation in temperature has to do something on your body. Yes, I mean, it just, does. I you know think. what I mean? Yes. Yes, I think so. It's just very difficult to dress for it and anything. You know, prepare for yeah, it. Yeah, to plan or anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, hey, we're here, though. It, we are. It's only for a minute. And next thing you know, it's too hot. <laughs> right? It's true. We'll be complaining about how hot and sticky it is outside. It's too hot. So don't forget about these days. That's it. That's it. Well, what was your weekend like, Dee? How did you so, do? So, my, you know, my week was really sort of dull. I worked, I was on call this past weekend and really didn't do too much, just kind of chilled. You know, one of the things that I did, because I did do this week, was I was in tune to the uh, nominations for the Oscars and yes. uh, kind of followed that a little bit. And it was kind of weird, you yeah. know, it was, I don't know. I'm not, there were a lot of, there were a lot of snubs as they called them. Yes. Uh, a lot of people were missed who a lot of people felt gave great performances. Angela Bassett is in. So yeah. that's good. That's good. Um, so I just said I'm I'm going to try to make a concerted effort to see some, some of these of the, movies. Me too. But but what happened, missed. what happened yeah. to SAG? Did it go did it show yet? The screen actors thing? I haven't seen that screen actors Gil. I I don't know because that's usually around this time, right? That's what I'm saying. So it might be this weekend. I gotta It make could sure. be this weekend, yeah, because we've had Golden Globes, then it's usually SAG before the Oscars. So yes. yeah. Yes. We'll have to see who wins the SAG Awards. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know. We'll we'll see, but you know, yeah, a lot of strange choices that that forever for always or something forever, 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 for always, everything or something like that. That uh -huh. won 11 really? nominations. So I'm really interested in seeing that an Asian woman okay. won a Golden Globe. And I was listening to a review yesterday and they were just it really didn't drill down on what it was about. They just said it was, you know, a, I don't know if it's a comedy or if it's kind of all over the place in terms of genres. So I want to see it. So I'm going to make yeah. a concerted effort to try to see that. Now, is weekend. it in the theater or is it streaming? Oh, right now it's in the theaters. Where I'm going to see it is in the theaters. And then Maverick, uh, that's streaming now. I'm going to try to see that this weekend as well. Okay, I'm going to try to do that as well, too. Yeah, I want to yeah. try to catch up on some of these movies. So I can be up on point, you know? Me too, me too. Yeah, all right, D. So what is going on this week, D? Everything, Vicky. <laughs> everything. Well, yeah, well, I decided to start in early because, you know, people, we're taping today, but people might not um, tune in. We might not have it posted until during the month of February. So right. I wanted to make sure that people are reminded that February is around the corner and it is Heart Healthy Awareness Month 2023. And the hashtag for 2023 is 
hashtag our hearts, hashtag our hearts. And so, yeah, that is going on and we're going to celebrate, celebrate National Wear Red Day and American Heart Month. And it's always on the first Friday in February. So I got to remember, D, I got to remember to um, wear my red. Yeah, me too. Me too. And so when we all wear our red, we encourage others also to wear the red and and do the same. But it helps raise awareness that heart disease is still is still the leading cause of death in the U.S. and largely preventable. And you're going to join the NHLBI and the Heart Truth. These are organizations around the country throughout February. They are doing the National Wear Red Day on the 3rd. Yes, it'll be the 3rd. And so that's bringing attention, like I said, to heart disease. And because Institute. Institute. National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Institute. All right. And so, yes, it is the leading cause. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for Americans. And so we want to encourage all of you guys for resources and a toolkit to be involved for the month of February. But you want to be involved forever with heart healthy living, right? But go to www.nhlbi.nih.gov and find out more information. And according to the American Heart Association, heart disease is still the leading cause of death in the U.S. for both men and women. But guess what? You can do a lot to protect your heart and stay healthy. And so heart healthy living, that's what we talk about here at Vicky Doe Fitness and on this podcast show, it involves understanding your risks, making healthy choices and taking steps to reduce your chances of getting heart disease, including coronary heart disease, the most common type. By taking preventive measures, you can lower your risk of developing heart disease that could lead to a heart attack. And so you can also improve your overall health and well-being and here are some steps that you can take these are eight steps that you can take to reduce your risk for having heart disease number one you got to understand your risk for heart disease you know what are your risk factors some are different you your risk factors may be different from mine but you need to know your risk factor your risk for heart disease number two get your blood pressure and your cholesterol checked regularly. Number three, choose heart-healthy foods. Number four, aim for a healthy weight. Number five, get regular physical activity. Number six, manage stress. Number seven, for God's sake, quit smoking. <laughs> and I know. I know. People still smoking. It's you know. just amazing to me. It's just baffling. I know. It's baffling. Yeah, people are still smoking. So quit smoking. And last but not least, number eight, get enough good quality sleep. These are important factors and steps that you can take to improve your overall health and well-being, but also to lower your risk for heart disease. So go for more information on heart healthy living. Go to www.nhlbi.nih.gov nhlbi.nih.gov 
www.thepeopleshow.gov. So what do you think, Dee, about that? I think these are all very good steps that you can take. Uh, Again, we're starting in January, new day, new year, to try to get all that stuff done. Yeah. Yes, it's a new day. It's a new day. And yeah, like you said, Dee, we can start. We can start yep. now. No, you're not. No, it still gets back to know your numbers. Know your numbers and your, know your risk. Numbers. Know all your numbers. That's yeah. it. It gets yeah. back to that. Being an advocate for your own health, right? Exactly. That's it. Don't wait to to go and make the doctor give you a miracle cure. Not gonna happen. No, you no. got to take care and do some you steps. Gotta, you do. Yes, you do. Well, the next thing I thought was interesting. Yeah, I'm like waiting to hear about this. It says Texas Medical School accused of discrimination by a white male student. And the article that talks about that, that's the Rutgers. They're pretty uh, like they're accurate. Yeah, they're up there like um, Washington Post and New York Times and all that. And so it says the National Medical Schools accused of bias against white Asian men. So a lawsuit, a lawsuit was filed. It was filed. Let me see. It was filed Tuesday. Accuses six state-run medical schools in Texas of violating federal anti-discrimination laws by giving preferences to female and non-Asian minority applicants. The lawsuit by George Stewart, a white man who was denied admissions admissions to the schools, is the latest challenge to affirmative action policies that are commonly used by U.S. schools to boost enrollment in black, Hispanic and female students. The U.S. Supreme Court's conservative majority in October seemed skeptical of the legality of race-conscious admissions um, policies in cases involving Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. The University of Texas and Texas Tech University, which operate the schools named in the new lawsuit, did not immediately, they didn't immediately respond to the request for comment. Stewart's lawsuit in Lubbock, Texas, federal court was filed by Conservative Group America First Legal, uh, which is AFL, and Jonathan Mitchell, a former Texas Solicitor General who represents various conservative cases. AFL was formed by Stephen Miller, who was a top aide for a top aide to Republican former um, President Donald Trump. According to the lawsuit, Stewart in 2021 obtained enrollment data for the six schools after he was denied admission. Stewart alleged that the data revealed that black, Hispanic, and female students at the schools had significantly lower grade point averages on test scores than white, Asian, and male students. Stewart said in the complaint that the data showed that the schools gave preferences to female and non-Asian minority applicants. Stewart accused the school of violating federal laws prohibiting race and sex discrimination in federally funded educational programs. AFL, that's the organization, in September filed a lawsuit accusing Texas A&M University of violating the same laws 
by adopting policies designed to diversify its faculty, such as setting aside funds to supplement the salaries of minority faculty members. The school has denied wrongdoing. So here we go again. Shake my damn head. What do you think about that, D? I just, it's just, you know, I guess it was Baki back in the late 70s or 80s who University of California at Davis started this whole thing about discrimination in medical schools, you know, being preferential selection. But the, problem, the bottom line is this, as we continue to talk about this, I mean, the playing field is not level. Mm-hmm. The playing field is not level. I mean, you, you have to have diversification. You should have diversification on all levels. And I mean, I do not believe that the, overall the scores were lower. I mean, you know, a lot of these students are going to the same colleges that everybody else is going to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to colleges necessarily where their grades are going to, you know, this college is, is represented by kids that don't make good grades. I mean, but... You see who's behind the lawsuit and you just throw up your hands and holler. There it is. And then, you know, when they always talk about, oh, it's a lot of students to get in. Three versus uh, 50. I mean, really? Right. It's always just a few anyway that get in. Exactly. It, it should be some, more. Truthfully, it should be more. I mean, if, and if you look at statistics today, we were talking to the head of Medicare from the Infectious Disease Society last week, uh-huh. we were pointing out to her the lack of African American and Latino physicians in this country. You don't, you're not creating a pipeline to bring non-Asian, non-Hispanic uh, people into the pipeline to become physicians. So a lot of these rural areas, underserved communities, do not have physicians to take care of the patients. And so a lot of this is trying to make sure that we have an adequate pipeline of physicians to take care of patients. It's just, it's just, it, it's mean spirited. But like I said, look at who's behind the lawsuit. I know. Yeah. I mean, what, what can you say? It's mean spirited. We know what it's about. Yes. We know what it's about. Yes. And trust me, if every, if, if this system that we're in, was equal we wouldn't even have to have those laws correct but the the playing field was level we would not have to even consider having that if the playing field was level the playing field is not level not only when you just talk about race and ethnicity but still gender that's it i mean now white women did benefit more from affirmative action than anybody else but you still have glass ceilings of women who are not you know in in a a lot of medical schools and universities (laughs) There are no women chairs of departments, you know, no women. I mean, you could look at like not just medical schools, Kent State. How many female chairmen of departments are there compared to men? Youngstown State, Ohio State, women are still lagging behind. And then let's talk about salaries, you know, comparatively. So the playing field still after all these years is not even fair with women. That's not even talk about race and ethnicity. So that's the point. So, you know, people always talk about, oh, you got affirmative policies. Yeah, but guess what? We wouldn't have to have those policies if you do what you're supposed to be doing anyway. But you're not. So we got to have those policies. Right. Period. 
because it's just it's not fair i mean it's just you know that's it like i said the playing field is not is not level that's it so let's work on being fair then you won't have to worry about that (laughs) that's the bottom line (laughs) next it's true what they say next It's true, right? Yeah, you wouldn't have to have lawsuits if people were doing what they were supposed to do from the from a long time ago, from the get go, right? Right. So move on, right? You can do it. Just move on. <laughs> move on. That's it. And the problem is, you know, when you were just talking about this article, is when you talk about lawsuits and so forth, it's tough when you come up against judges that were appointed by the former president who are all conservative. This is why Daniel Dawes wrote that book about the political determinants of health. Yes. It's who you vote for that determines the laws and rules and regulations. On how you, you live. Put a conservative president in, he appoints all conservative judges all up and down the pipe. So now when you have a, you know, a, a president who's not that way, but you still now have these judges have lifetime positions. So a federal judge who was appointed by President Trump, for example, is a lifetime appointment. Right. For the Supreme Court. There's no ejecting them out of there. They're in there for life. Right. So if they don't believe in affirmative action, Correct. then then case is done. It's done. Yeah. There it so is. The, the deck is stacked up once you even bring these lawsuits up because you know how they're going to vote. Right. And see, and, and I always have to remind people, listen, diversity, inclusion and equity and all that's just an initiative. The affirmative action, those are laws. So if they get right. rid of if they get rid of affirmative action, mm, exactly. That's right. You That's know, right. we just right. those are initiatives. Those initiatives that you hope people will do. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But affirmative action, that's a law. So if they law. get rid of that, correct. Okay. Right. Yep. So let's game let's, changer. Let's let's game pay changer. attention. I always tell people, let's pay attention. Don't get caught up in stuff. Now let's pay right. attention. That's it. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. That's good. I didn't had not seen that. Interesting. Well, D, what's the latest? Do you have something that's well, going to grab I did have us? one thing I wanted to comment on as we were talking. Mm-hmm. It does appear that the numbers of COVID, RSV, and influenza cases are decreasing in our hospitals in terms of hospitalization. Okay. So that's good. That's good news. It still doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear your mask and spray your Lysol. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I tripled up on that. <laughs> I said, ooh, my sinuses aren't draining. Let me make sure <laughs> that it ain't no bugs and things. Spray, spray, spray. <laughs> Nate comes walking in. Oh, okay, it's lemon today. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, there it is. So there it is. All there right. Is. Okay. That's it. <laughs> well, thank you, D. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, 
and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today, yes, we talk about hot topics and research articles. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 83. And so, yes, I'm going to start out with our first article. And it's talking about the American Heart Association News. Five things to know about AEDs after a defibrillator saved. It helped save Damar Hamlin's life. Okay, and so this was written by the American Heart Association News, but it is on Health Day News platform. And so it says, we've all walked past them, the little red, yellow or green boxes with hearts on them and the letters AED. They can be found in office buildings, gyms, schools, airports, shopping malls, almost anywhere Large crowds gather, and I have one here at our house, D. You do? Yes, because I wow, I keep it with me because we have one when we go out and do Vicky Doe fitness things. So I always All have right. it. Yes, so I always have it here. All right, so these little boxes can save lives, but few people use them. An AED, short for Automated External Defibrillator, is an easy-to-use medical device that can restore a normal heart rhythm to someone who has gone into cardiac arrest. Defibrillators recently received national attention when one was used to save the life of Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field in Cincinnati following a tackle. Hamlin is now recovering at home. He is one of the lucky ones receiving immediate CPR and an electric shock from a defibrillator are the key drivers of survival for the roughly 350,000 U.S. adults who go into cardiac arrest outside of a hospital each year. But according to American Heart Association um, statistics, bystanders administer CPR about 40% of the time and AEDs even less so. About one in 10 people who have cardiac arrest in public get this type of help. Here are five critical things people should know about AEDs and why experts say the public shouldn't be afraid to use them. They are a person's best chance for survival. While out-of-the-hospital cardiac arrest survival rates vary across the United States, those with the best chance for survival have two things in common. They quickly receive CPR and an electric shock 
from an AED, said Dr. Mary Ann Biberti, mm-hmm. a professor of medicine and emergency medicine at Virginia Commonwealth um, University in Richmond. Now, she said one of the reasons Hamlin had such good neurologic outcomes and a week later he was tweeting with friends was that he had early CPR and early defibrillation. These devices save lives and Hamlin is a perfect example of that. A defibrillator can be manual, used by trained healthcare personnel to deliver a shock, or it can be automated, available for anyone to use with the device determining if a shock is needed. The Buffalo Bills and the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where Hamlin was treated, did not respond to questions about which type of defibrillator was used on the field to restore Hamlin's heartbeat. Call 911 and start CPR first. If someone collapsed, the first thing to do is to check for signs of life, such as whether the person is breathing normally, Puberty said. Sometimes people in cardiac arrest can look as if they are breathing with Mm -hmm. agonal breaths when breathing Mm -hmm. is abnormal or it appears the person is gasping for air, okay? For a teen or uh, adult who suddenly collapsed, immediately call 911 and begin CPR by pushing in the center of the chest for 100 to 120 beats per minute. 911 operators also can guide um, rescuers through CPR. Always call 911 first, said Dr. Ashes Panchel, an emergency medical specialist at Ohio State University's Wetzner Medical Center in Columbus. That gets more help to you, then push hard and fast. The chest compressions keep blood flowing to the heart and other organs, Perdurdy said, and can prolong the time a shock is effective to restore a normal heart rhythm. Both Pancho and Perdurdy, who helped write the 2020 ASH, American Heart Association Guidelines for CPR and emergency cardiovascular care, stressed that CPR should not be stopped to go look for an AED. A second bystander should do that. An AED is often available in public settings, but people may not realize it is there or that it can be used by anyone to save someone in cardiac arrest. An estimated 15% of cardiac arrests in adults happen in public setting. While there is no standard place to store and AED, they are often found on the wall near an elevator, Panchel said. If you are in a public building, ask at the front desk, he said. There's also an app from the Pulse Point Foundation that identifies where registered AEDs are located, though not all devices are registered, Perdurdy said. Anyone can use an AED, even a child. The great thing about the AED is that it will tell you what to do, Panchel said. It walks you through it. Inside the box are pads and a diagram that shows where to place them 
on the bare skin. Once the device is turned on, a voice tells the person exactly using it exactly what to do. Some devices offer this instruction in Spanish, but most are English speaking. The first thing the AED will do is determine whether an electric shock is needed by analyzing the person's heart rhythm. CPR should be stopped only while the machine is doing this analysis, Perdurdy said. If no shock is advised, it will tell you to resume CPR. If there is a shockable rhythm, it will deliver the shock and afterwards will tell you to resume CPR. There is no minimum age required to operate the device, Panchal said. A child can operate an AED, he said. Children can also do CPR and they can do effective CPR. If children are too young or not strong enough, they can call 911 and get immediate help. You can't make things worse. People should not be afraid to use these devices, Perdurdy said. Many people are afraid of making it worse. You're not going to make it worse. If someone is in cardiac arrest, they are technically dead. It performed immediately. CPR can double or triple the chance of survival from a cardiac arrest outside of a hospital. Waiting for emergency medical services to arrive takes up precious, precious time, Perdurdy said. You can't get in trouble. Some people may hesitate to help because they're afraid of the liability, Panchal said. They worry if they're going to get sued. Good Samaritan laws protect people who step in to protect life-saving care, he said. All of us can be a lifesaver, Panchal said. We can be that individual. We just have to choose to do it. Call 911, push hard and fast, and ask someone to go get the AED. These three steps can save a life. So there it is. You know what? That's a really good article. You know, I don't know if you remember uh, one of the first airports to have AEDs was Atlanta because ah, Mayor uh, Maynard Jackson. It was Jackson. Maynard Jackson. Maynard B. Jackson had a heart attack in the airport. Yes, he did. And there was no defibrillator. Nothing. And so after that, there's if you go to Atlanta airport, there's a defib. Now it's in most airports, but there's a was a defibrillator at every bush mm-hmm. in the Atlanta airport. And that was because Maynard B. Jackson had a heart attack there and was unable to be resuscitated because there was no defibrillator around. Yes, I remember that. Oh, my yep. God. Yeah, that was yep. a big remember deal. That? that was a big yep. deal. And yeah, pe- that was a big deal. Yeah. And people were yep. like, well, why don't you have that? What What's going on? Yeah, he was the mayor of Atlanta. So, you know, the mayor of Atlanta, he didn't have it. And did, they didn't have access to help him out. It's toast for everybody else. Yep. So yeah, that started. And now in most buildings, you can find a um, AED. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very prevalent. And the other thing I think people used to hear, and I think probably some of us older people who hadn't, as doctors, who hadn't used defibrillators, it used to be in the old days that you had to look at the EKG and you could only shock at certain points. And But now it's all cookie cutter. You just put the pads on, step back, and it tells you when to shop. Yes. It's just very sophisticated like that. And like he said, children can can do it because they put the pads on 
and then it tells you when to shop. That's and then it. you just keep you just keep and nowadays with with CPR they just hey remember how you used to have to breathe and this and that? no yeah they that's they, out too they want you to just be pounding they want you to pump that's right. it pump and go that's it that's it that's and, it because they say that it's more important to get blood flowing, flowing and blood supply to all the different organ systems yeah that's it mm-hmm. but yeah thank goodness look like if I recall, the AED was created by someone, I don't know, at Ohio State. I think it might have been Ohio State. Yeah, that, well, I that, think you're right. That, um, yeah, created that device. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. kudos to research and, yeah. and technology, right? Research and development and technology, right? Yes. Well... The next article. (laughs) Atrial fibrillation, I wanted to take this too because Mm -hmm. as we get older, one of the most common arrhythmias that you see in people over the age of 65 is atrial fibrillation. And what is that? Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal rhythm of the upper chambers of the heart that causes the heart to beat faster than normal. And this creates an irregular heartbeat. Atrial fibrillation symptoms, ways your heart can get out of rhythm. So they were just talking about and if not, so just these are just your, your heart can get out of rhythm with this particular arrhythmia. Okay. So if not managed properly, it can lead to a stroke and other heart related problems. In the United States, six to 16 million people are projected to have this condition by 2050, according to a review published in June 2020 in Circulation Research. And that's because people are going to be living longer and you're going to have more people over the age of 60 so they can get atrial fibrillation. The good news is that lifestyle factors can play a role in helping you manage AFib, as they call it. So the main issue is calories and alcohol, said Hugh Calkins, MD, a professor of cardiology at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Many patients with AFib are obese, and if you can get the weight off, that helps control atrial fibrillation. Check out, though, these do's and don'ts tips for managing atrial fibrillation. And I've never really had heard of an article where healthy diets and all that, I mean, except for alcohol, we know that alcohol and being overweight contributes to it. But talking about diet, this is a new one for me. It's good, isn't it? So there really isn't a special diet for AFib, mm-hmm. says Kelly Kennedy, a registered dietitian, mm-hmm. the resident dietitian at Everyday Health. Instead, Healthcare professionals often recommend that people follow a general healthy diet. A healthy diet includes foods like fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, whole grains, beans, and seeds. Nuts are also a good choice. There was a study published in April of 2018 in the Journal of Heart that found that people eating nuts three or more times a week lowered their chance of AFib. Well, shoot, I'm going to be like a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Vicki, after this article, you're going to see me up and down colonial. (laughs) 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 Okay, just remember D Max is turning into a squirrel trying to get some nuts here. That's it. All right. Kennedy notes that there's an increasing evidence, there's increasing evidence that. A plant-based diet is beneficial for people with AFib. A review published in November 2019 in the Journal of Arrhythmia 
concluded that a plant-based diet may help reduce risk factors such as high blood pressure, obesity, and diabetes associated with AFib and is worth further investigation. For those who are intimidated by a plant-based diet, Kennedy says, it doesn't have to be a monumental lifestyle change or shift. You don't have to be a vegetarian or vegan. Just eat more plants. The next one, don't drink too much caffeine. Drink moderately. If you have AFib, you might want to cut down on the number of caffeinated drinks you chug. Drinking too much caffeine can speed up your heart and increase the frequency of premature heartbeats, which can be a problem. And I do want to point out, because I'm not going to mention any specific store or franchise or whatever, but some of these drinks that you get from some of these barista places, there are a lot of them, so I'm not naming one. Mm -hmm. They have caffeine in them. Yes, they do. And so, you know, you're looking for something that's like not caffeine and you think you're getting something healthy. They have a lot of caffeine in them. So you really have to ask and empower yourself when you go to these stores and restaurants and so forth. Is there caffeine in these drinks? And do you have a, a decaffeinated version? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So drinking too much caffeine can speed up your heart and increase the frequency of premature heartbeats, which can be a problem. The good news is that you don't have to give up your morning java or caffeinated tea entirely. Just drink it in moderation. In the largest study of its kind, a study published in July of 2021 in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Internal Medicine, found that caffeine didn't seem to increase a person's risk of arrhythmia. It just says that caffeine is not linked to while there can be a patient triggered with a cup of coffee, if you ask me if I recommend that the typical AFib patient has to restrict their caffeine intake, this is Dr. Calkins from Hopkins. Mm -hmm. He says the answer is no. Do watch with, I think, again, the, the critical word is moderation. Yes. And again, all these energy drinks, yes. they're filled with caffeine. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're filled with caffeine. Mm -hmm. So you have to really watch what you're taking into your body. They're filled with caffeine. That's how they work. That's how they work. Yes. Mm -hmm. So do watch your salt intake. Eating too much salt can raise your blood pressure, putting you at greater risk for AFib. Like caffeine, how much salt you eat depends on the individual. In fact, a study published in May of 2021 in the Journal of the, Amer of the Internal <laughs> Medicine found that salt intake did not affect AFib levels to the point of having to cut down on salt in the diet, the study did have contradicting results between genders and needs further investigating. But Dr. Wilkins says if a person has hypertension or sleep apnea, along with AFib, reducing salt intake can make a big difference. Although salt is in a lot of foods that we eat, especially processed foods, there are many ways you can cut back on salt. For example, you can use salt-free seasonings to flavor your food, like I just said, or eat fewer processed foods. You should also avoid what the American Heart Association has deemed the salty six, pizza, soup, burritos, and tacos that add the most salt to your diet. Well, that wasn't six, was it? Burritos, salt, but they call them the salty six. Again, pizza, soups, burritos, and tacos. Mm -hmm. Don't be a frozen food snob. Uh. In the past, frozen fruits and vegetables have gotten a bad rap for not being as good as fresh food, says Kennedy. What people don't realize 
is that frozen fruits and vegetables often have a higher nutritional value than their counterparts. That's because fruits and vegetables are often picked closer to the time when they're ripe and then they're flash frozen to get all the nutrients in there. Sometimes we tend to overcook vegetables mm -hmm. and we, you know, we get fruits when they're beyond their nutritional value. Mm -hmm. So when you have this flash freezing, mm -hmm. it certainly provides a lot more nutrients. Yeah. This helps preserve nutrients. In contrast, fresh fruits and vegetables are often picked early because they have to travel long distances to make it to grocery stores. By the time they get to stores, some of the nutrients have been lost. Mm -hmm. Do stay hydrated. Yes. Many people are unaware that being dehydrated can trigger AFib, notes Kennedy. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to drink enough water and water and fluids throughout the day. It's especially important for AFib patients to pay attention to their potassium and magnesium intake, says Kennedy. Potassium and magnesium are electrolytes. You have low levels of minerals in the blood. It can trigger an abnormal heart rhythm. And when you're dehydrated, electrolytes can get depleted. Kennedy noted that the best way to get potassium and magnesium is from food rather than supplements. Foods that are rich in potassium include fruits, vegetables, and fish. Magnesium can be found in foods like whole grains, beans, nuts, fortified breakfast cereals, and greasy lean vegetables such as spinach soup. And I hope y'all get some spinach soup this winter. I had to throw that in. <laughs> I have to throw that. Yes, yes. Regarding water that claims to have health benefits like alkaline yeah, water, yeah. Kennedy says, save your money. Mm -hmm. There isn't any evidence that provides it can help with AFib. A regular glass of water will do the trick. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to watch those calories, especially if you want to shed pounds. The data linking AFib and weight is really extraordinary. The remarkable thing is if you get the weight off to a degree, to a degree, strands of fat go away, the inflammation dies down, mm -hmm. chambers get smaller, the pressures go down, and your AFib becomes less. Mm -hmm. But losing weight isn't always easy. For many people, tracking what they eat on a regular basis helps them reach their weight loss goals. This can be done by simply writing down what you eat during the day, or if you prefer tracking what you eat on your phone or website, check it out. Check out Lose It, Food You Kate, or My Fitness Pal. I've heard a lot about that My Fitness Pal app. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All smartphone apps that are available at the App Store and Google Play. Mm -hmm. The single most important trigger for AFib is obesity, but it's also the thing that people have the hardest time addressing, he says. Do see a registered dietitian like mm -hmm. Dr. Vicky's mom. Mm -hmm. yes. Anyone can benefit from seeing a registered dietitian, says Kennedy, noting that people who have recently been diagnosed with AFib or those with multiple health conditions such as AFib and diabetes may want to work with a dietitian. Mm -hmm. That's because different health conditions have different food considerations, and that can make meal planning complicated. Kennedy notes that another good time to consider seeing a dietitian is when medications have been changed. For example, people who take blood thinners like warfarin or Coumadin need to be mindful of eating foods rich in yeah. vitamin K, like kale and or spinach. spinach. You mm -hmm. can't eat those. Yep. You can find a dietitian through your health insurance company or professional organizations like the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Mm -hmm. 
don't drink too much booze. Alcohol has been shown to be a major trigger of AFib, and we've known that for a long time. Mm -hmm. A study published 2022 in Nature Cardiovascular Research finds excessive drinking is linked to an, with an increased risk of ep episodes of AFib, even in people without a previous episode. Over the last five years, there are more and more studies linking moderate amounts of alcohol, even a glass of wine or beer, to increasing your risk of having AFib, said Calkins. Some people are very sensitive to alcohol. Kennedy says that quitting alcohol can be difficult for some, so it's important to strive for progress, not perfection. Mm. Monitor your symptoms, and if alcohol is a trigger, eliminating it will make a bigger difference for you than it would somebody else. And so... There it is. So this is, you know, we're talking about heart, healthy, doing things. There's always things that you can do to always to yeah. uh you know help yourself out you're not right. you're not at the the whim of these different complications you can do something right right you you don't have to just sit around and accept it it's that's exactly is that's exactly mm -hmm. how that is yes well that was good that was good well i'll move on to the happy love teens become heart healthier as adults who knew well, <laughs> here's some key takeaways that you're going to learn when I finish reading this. Teens who feel good about themselves are more likely to maintain a healthy weight as well as normal blood pressure, blood sugar and cholesterol levels two decades later. Number two, self-esteem is particularly critical for black teenagers who constantly deal with the stress of racism and number three, only 12% of study participants maintain good heart health into their late 30s. Okay, and we start out. This was written in Health Day News, and it says when teenagers feel good about themselves and their lives, it may also do their hearts good in the longer run, a new study suggests. Researchers found that teenagers who generally felt happy, optimistic, and loved went on to show better cardiovascular health in their 20s and 30s versus kids who lacked that level of mental well-being. Overall, they were more likely to maintain a healthy weight as well as normal blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol levels. And having such positive feeling, feelings appeared particularly important for Black teenagers' future health. The idea that kids well-being can affect their health well into adulthood is not new. Studies have shown that um, childhood obesity, for example, is tied to increased risk of various health conditions, including type 2 diabetes and heart disease later in life. And as the links go beyond physical factors, adults who went through childhood hardships like abuse and neglect are at heightened risk of heart disease and other ills as well. Experts said the new study asked a different question. Are there positive psychological assets that might help protect kids, their physical health in the long run? One thing I'm struck by is we really don't have a handle on the good things that kids need to support their cardiometabolic health, said lead researcher, Farah Karishi will say that, an assistant professor at the Johns Hopkins um, Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore. 
to dig into the question. Her team examined data from a national health study that enrolled nearly 3,500 U.S. high school students in the 1990s and followed them for more than two decades. At the onset, the students answered questions that gauge five psychological assets, happiness, hopefulness about the future, high self-esteem, feeling socially accepted, feeling loved and wanted. The bad news, more than half of kids, that's 55%, had none or only one of those positive feelings. But when they had four or five of those assets, they were about 69% more likely to maintain good cardiovascular health into their 30s compared with their peers. That was with a range of other factors like family income, parents' education, and kids' body weight taken into account. What's more, those positive feelings seem especially critical for Black teens. When they did not have them, they were highly unlikely to be in good cardiovascular health 20 years later. Only mm. 6% were. Mm. I know. As for why, Karishi said, the way kids feel about themselves and their lives can affect their health behaviors. It's generally tough to exercise and eat healthily on a regular basis, she noted. But if you feel good about yourself and the future, that's a good motivator. Adrian Kovats, a volunteer expert with the uh, American Heart Association, agreed. When we're optimistic, for example, we expect that we're going to be able to handle a situation so we behave accordingly, said Kovats, a clinical and health psychologist with Equilibria Psychological Health in Toronto. That could be the difference between believing or not believing that you can change an unhealthy habit, Kovats said. Beyond that, both experts said psychological factors like chronic stress can have direct physiological effects on the body. Kavat said the new study is a reminder that we need to broaden our conceptualization of cardiovascular risk factors, and that has to begin early in life, she noted. In line with past research, this study found an unfortunately small number of participants maintain good cardiovascular health into their late 30s, just 12% overall. But Having psychological assets in adolescence strengthen those odds. Meanwhile, a lack of those positive feelings seemed particularly detrimental to black teens. In the study group with one or no psychological assets, only 6% of black kids were in good cardiovascular health in adulthood versus 12% of their white counterparts. That implies that supporting teenagers, their mental well-being is a matter of health equity, too, both experts said. Karishi said that for black teenagers who face the chronic stress of structural racism, having a strong sense of self-esteem, belonging and feeling love may be particularly critical. Parents can, of course, support those feelings, Karishi and Kovacs said. But so can any adult in a child's life, as well as schools, community programs, 
and society at large. As an example, Kovacs pointed to the healthcare system, which could do a better job of creating an environment where everyone feels they belong. For families, Karishi said, supporting kids' mental well-being can be as simple as sitting down together at dinner and asking them how they're doing, those things that we take for granted. The study was published online, and it was published January the 11th, in the Journal of American Heart Association. What does this mean for you? Something as simple as eating together and asking how your teen is doing can help support kids' mental well-being. So there you have it, Dee. Yeah, I would say who knew? Who knew? I thought I, that's an excellent article, especially when you talk about the long-term effects, <clears throat> that something that, that happens in the teen years having a long-term effect as, it, as they go into their adulthood. As they go into their adulthood, yeah. And especially black teens. Especially black teens. Another one of those healthcare disparities. Yes, and health equity issues, because guess what? We got to deal with structural racism. Exactly. We got to make sure we love on them, you know, right. make sure they're happy, make sure they have those qualities of good mental wellness and good health so they can deal with all this and then have healthier hearts as they get older. Exactly. Yeah. That was excellent. Excellent. All right. So you're going to end with yeah, our I'm last gonna one. I'm going to end with a relatively short article that talks about mm -hmm. expecting stay heart healthy for you and your baby. Mm -hmm. And these are important too, especially in this area, mm -hmm. especially in the United States, but certainly important for Northeast Ohio where maternal morbidity and mortality vicky yes. is high yes it is very we're still having problems and here we have one of the richest countries in the world mm -hmm. where our mortality maternal and infant mortality and morbidity is higher than a lot of developing countries so mm -hmm. we need to we got to figure this out yes we do so yes, we again do. this article is expecting stay heart healthy for you and your baby from health day Takeaways. What will you learn at the end of this? Poor heart health puts pregnant women and their children at risk. Taking steps during early pregnancy to improve heart health can lead to a healthier pregnancy and improve a woman's long-term health. Healthy diet, moderate exercise, and other healthy habits are important for both mother and child. It's never too late for an expectant mom to adopt healthy habits for her baby and herself. The American Heart Association offers some healthy tips. Pregnancy is often a pivotal time in a woman's life from both short and long-term perspectives, said Dr. Michelle Alpert, volunteer president of the American Heart Association. For some, it may be their first experience with a major medical condition. For most, it's a natural time to be more forward thinking about their own health as well as that of their baby, said Dr. Alpert in an association news release. Poor heart health puts both mothers-to-be and their children at risk, according to the American Heart Association. Health disease causes 26.5% of pregnancy-related deaths. Remember that? Maternal, maternal morbidity and mortality. Mm -hmm. According to the American Heart Association's Health Disease and Stroke Statistics 2022 update, that makes it the leading cause of pregnancy-related death. Mm. A 2022 study found that only about 40% of women in the United States who gave birth had good heart health 
before pregnancy. Excess weight was the major driver of poor pre-pregnancy health, according to the American Heart Association. Getting regular prenatal care, as well as post-pregnancy cardiovascular risk factor management, if appropriate, along with making healthy lifestyle changes can improve the pregnancy and birth experience, Albert said. Just as importantly, taking these steps may lead to a longer, healthier life for mom and baby. The American Heart Association said, healthcare providers can make a difference by paying close attention to a woman's heart health during pregnancy and promoting lifestyle changes. If their mothers have good heart health during pregnancy, children are more likely to have the same. The American Heart Association said, the role of healthy lifestyle during pregnancy cannot be emphasized enough, said Dr. Alpha. Healthy diet, moderate exercise, including walking, smoking cessation, cessation, and other healthy behaviors are important tools for a healthy pregnancy for both mother and child. When pregnant women have heart-related problems, they should work closely with their doctor to monitor their health and take all prescriptions as prescribed, the American Heart Association advised. There is still much to learn about the special risks of maternal and infant health related to cardiovascular health, Albert said. This is an area the American Heart Association continues to follow closely, devoting research dollars and other resources to ensuring the healthiest outcomes for parents and babies throughout their lifetime. So what does this mean for you? Pregnant women should ask their healthcare provider about lifestyle changes that will improve their health and that of children. So what do you think? Well, Thank there you. you have it. And so we think about infant mortality. We think about the rates of women, mothers dying, pregnant-related um, deaths. And that would make sense that it has gone up because of the unhealthy lifestyles that these uh, right. women have before they, you know, get pregnant and some, you know, continue on during pregnancy. So it's important, yeah, that you do take those steps. And it goes back to taking care of yourself and listening to your doctor, you know, period, period. Yep. Period. You know, some folks we we find out that they don't even they don't start doing their prenatal until way late. And it's I like, know. oh, my goodness. It's so sad. You see a lot of these young women coming into the hospital and so forth who have had no prenatal care and nothing they're six months old. And you know where this has become a problem lately in terms of infectious diseases? Mm -hmm. The rates of congenital syphilis have gone up within the last five years. Wow. Yes. Syphilis, congenital syphilis is back. And if a mom has syphilis during her pregnancy, if you don't get the mother tested, treated before five months, that baby is going to be born with congenital syphilis and really have a stamp on them for the rest of their lives. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of this. It was a big, uh, I did a big uh, seminar at the American uh, National Medical Association years ago with a woman who was head of STDs at the Center for Disease Control, uh -huh. who talked about the increase in STDs in this country, but from primarily the increase in congenital syphilis in moms uh, who don't get prenatal care. Wow. That's sad yeah. because once you once the kid comes, uh, ain't too much no, you can that do. You got to treat the kid, and then there are all kinds of stuff uh, stigmas mm. that are associated with congenital syphilis in children that may not be able to be reversed. That's it. 
you know, and so that was something that you thought, oh, that was gone. We don't see that anymore. Well, you know, a lot of things are cyclical. They come back. But, you know, and a lot of things too early on in pregnancy today, I'm still amazed at how many early diagnoses of, of, of intrauterine types of diseases and problems like that, that they can find in pregnancy early. You know, they can do all kinds of intrauterine surgery today or stuff for the mom and all these kinds of things to uh, uh, lengthen the life of the child and protect the life of the mother. Yeah. So, you know, you better get into the doctor. If you find out that you're pregnant, at least get in, get your blood pressure under control. All that. Yeah. And take your your, um, prenatal supplements. Your prenatal supplements, which they have found out that now, you know, within the last years, taking prenatal supplements, you had all these kids that were born with neural tube damage, Mm. you know, cerebral palsy and Mm. spina bifida and all of that were related to moms not taking their prenatal vitamins. Mm. So they've learned a lot Mm -hmm. over the years, but if you don't take advantage of it, you miss out. And like I said, the saddest thing, and I have seen it in my career over and over, I've seen moms with no prenatal care coming in at nine months. You know, I remember one case that I had, a mom came in, I was at a clinic in, in Cleveland. Okay. The mom comes in, you know, she just was sort of overweight, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she sits on the table and she was saying that she was having stomach pain. <gasps> and so, you know, I'm examining her. I said, well, could you know, lie down on the table? And I mean, you know, like some thin pregnant women, their stomachs are obviously out there. Right, but, right, right. You know, if a woman's more overweight, sometimes you can't you, tell. You don't see a lot of that. Yeah, you, can't you can't tell. tell. Uh-huh. Sometimes that can be embarrassing, but yes. sometimes you can't tell. Right. So she's laying on the table and I'm examining her. And Vicki, I'm feeling fetal parts. And I said, oh. could you be pregnant? And she's like, no. I, no, I said, well, have you had a period? And some women can have early on periods, yes. you know, during the pregnancy. Uh-huh. And so it's one of those kind of things where your mind was really messing with you because I was like, am I, I there's a head here. Oh, God. oh my God. So I went across the hallway because I said to my colleague, I said, can you come across the hallway? Because I said, you know, my mind is telling me and my hands are telling me something, but it's, I don't want to believe it. Okay. So he comes in and we yeah. kind of go out of the, the thing. It was sad, but sort of funny. He goes, yeah, I would say she's probably about mm, eight and a half months. She delivered about two weeks later. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No prenatal care whatsoever. Yeah. And it's not an unusual story. And you would oh think, well, with all the technology and all the things that we have today, moms are still not getting in on time to get this prenatal thing. And so then you have, you know, even in um, more affluent families or whatever, you know, you have women who come in with eclampsia or who come mm. in, there's that new syndrome. I don't know the name of it, but mm. where the platelets start dropping uh, and okay. all kinds of things happen and you got to get the baby out real fast. Oh, wow. A lot of times babies are born prematurely, but these are in women who are getting close prenatal care oh wow okay and so you have these one mothers who come in and don't have that so that's why you're looking at also the mom can die and the baby can die yes. so it's a whole you know we need to do a we need yes, to do we a do. topic on that one day yeah we need to do a, a bonus mortality a, yeah we need to do a bonus show where we invite some of these key people and we sit and talk about it don't you think yeah 
Yeah, because we haven't talked a lot about infant mortality, maternal and infant mortality, especially when in Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. it's really high. It's really high. We'll plan that. We'll do that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that definitely. sounds good. Well, D, this ends our show. So do you have some tips and things yeah, for us? Yeah, just a few. The first one is the AIDs, you know, they shouldn't be looked at as something formidable sitting on the wall. When somebody goes down, grab that defibrillator. It's really pretty much menu driven, as they say. You know, these kids can use these computers today and these defibrillators save lives. And we talked about it, how important it was in saving the life of Damar Hamlin, who's now back. He was at the game the other night. Yeah, and he was um, waving and stuff. I yeah, was like, he wow. Was waving. Who, who, who would have imagined he was on a ventilator and all that? So again, AEDs. Yes defibrillators Mm -hmm. the best diets for afib we talked about that Mm -hmm. minimizing alcohol minimizing caffeine watch your weight lose weight continue to eat fruits vegetables nuts and all those healthy things that we just talked about last week with the uh, blue zone diet yeah yeah again we it's a recurring theme Mm -hmm. it's a recurring theme yes it is uh and hydration and so forth uh and moderate exercise so again all these things are uh important for improving or watching out for atrial fibrillation and then we talked about teen health and i think one of the important take-home messages with that was i just the impact on black teens you know, we talk about healthcare disparities and all of that in everything now, certainly with COVID and all of that. And mm-hmm. now we see in this article that you talked about that in teens early on who don't have love and those things to promote healthy living, it can affect them in a long, long term. Yes, it can. And especially when our um, black teens may have to deal with structural racism, which puts a lot of stress on you anyway, mm-hmm. you know, not having those resources to to at least ingrain healthy living in you early on will impact you later on in life that was that was yes that was amazing yes and then we just finished talking about expecting pregnancy mm-hmm. women early on in their pregnancy need to get to the doctor to start getting um, involved in a heart healthy nine month uh travel to yes. getting their baby born yes and and so this is our topic today our common denominator is healthy heart living taking care of your heart um doing the things is always back to like the american heart association um has the eight lifestyle steps that we can do and that's know your risk check your blood pressure your cholesterol eat and choose heart healthy foods get regular physical activity manage your stress Quit smoking, for God's sake. Quit smoking, folks. I know. Quit smoking. Yes. Aim for a healthy weight. And then get enough quality sleep. These are all doing the things, the positive, proactive things of taking care of our health. Exactly. And so, yes, this has been a great show. And as always, folks, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember... If you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email 
at info at vickydofitness.com.